now. This week in sport history. January 2nd, 1879, Australian fast bowler Fred Spofforth dismisses three English batsmen in three balls during the third test at the MCG. If you're wondering, this isn't referred to as the Ashes as it actually predates the Ashes by three years. It's also of note because it was Test Cricket's very first hat-trick. The origin of the term first appeared in 1858 to describe H.H. Stevenson taking three wickets with three consecutive deliveries. Fans held a collection for Stevenson and presented him with a hat bought with the proceeds to commemorate the effort, hence it being a hat-trick. There are currently 46 Test hat-tricks by 42 different players, four of whom have taken multiple. Australia's Hugh Trumbull took one in 1902 at the MCG against England and another in 1904 at the MCG against also England. Australia's Jimmy Matthews is the only player to have done two in the same test match, doing so in the first and second innings of the first test against South Africa in 1912. And funnily enough, he actually dismissed Tommy Ward to complete both hat-tricks. Wazim Akram had hat-tricks in consecutive tests against Sri Lanka in 1999 one being played in Pakistan while the other in Bangladesh. And then Stuart Broad has also had two, but eh, they're not as newsworthy as some of the others we've mentioned. Not just because he's a pom. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of poms, Englishman Morris Alom, Kiwi Peter Petherick, and Aussie Damien Fleming are the only three to do so on debut. And Aussie Peter Siddle is the only man with a hat-trick on his birthday. Indian Irfan Patan is the only player with a hat-trick in the first over of a test. And Bangladeshi off-spinner Sohag Ghazi is the only player to score a century and take a hat-trick in the same test match, doing so against New Zealand in 2013. But the most unusual definitely belongs to Mervyn Hughes, who took his hat-trick across three different overs against the West Indies. Yes, that's right, three overs. He took the first wicket of Kirtley Ambrose with the final ball of an over, and then with the first ball of his next over, he took the final wicket of the West Indian innings, that of Patrick Patterson. Hughes then removed opener Gordon Greenwich with the first ball of the West Indian second innings, and Hughes didn't even realise that he'd taken a hat-trick. Even more unusually, the two wickets in the first innings were not even off consecutive overs, as Tim May had bowled an over himself in between Merv's two deliveries and took the wicket of Gus Logie during that time. Hughes took 13 wickets for the match, but the Windies ended up winning by 169 runs and the series 3-1. to one. January 4th, 1984, Adrian Dantley of the Utah Jazz ties Wilt Chamberlain's NBA record for most free throws made in a game by converting 28 of 29 free throws, which Wilt set in going 28 of 32 as part of his historic 100-point game in 1962. Dantley's effort came as part of a 46-point outing in Utah's 116 to 111 win over Houston at Las Vegas. Now... You might have noticed I said Las Vegas. <laughs> I nearly said something. The Jazz actually sold 11 home games to Las Vegas to be played at the Thomas and Mack Center on the campus of UNLV in an attempt to drum up local support there. And well, because they were struggling financially, which was a little surprised because of how shite they were. In 1982, they actually drafted Dominic Wilkins, but he refused to go there because they were that bad. Yeah. Wow, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, so the Jazz actually traded him to Atlanta for John Drew, Freeman Williams, and a million dollars worth of cash. Oh, dear. Suspend in Las Vegas? Well, <laughs> I'll tell you what. They could have done worse. But Utah Jazz fans actually used to go to the games with paper bags over their heads. It was that bad. In fact, the trip to Las Vegas was partly about a consideration of moving the team there. And there were also talks the team might move to Minnesota. And then the team was bought in 1985 by the late Larry H. Miller just seven minutes before the deadline that would have seen them move to Miami. Mm. Some interesting things did actually happen that season. So the Jazz and Bulls played off in the first game at the arena in late November of 1983. And their April 5th game against the Los Angeles Lakers saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar break the all-time scoring record with a patented hook shot from the baseline. Had to be done. It absolutely had to be. 
The Jazz would finish five and six in Las Vegas, but would have their first winning record ever after starting their franchise with nine straight losing seasons. They'd have all-stars in Dantley and Ricky Green. Dantley led the league in scoring. Green led the league in steals. Daryl Griffith led the league in three-pointers made. And Mark Eaton led the league in blocks. They trailed Denver 2-1 in the first round, and Woody Page reported that Utah, quote, had no heart before they bounced back to win the series in five. <laughs> of course. They would lose to Phoenix in the Western Conference Finals four games to two. That was a cracking, cracking series. I've watched a lot of highlights on that one. And uh, Dantley went 27 of 31 from the line in a two-point win over Denver earlier in the season for his next best effort. So he's very, very proficient from the free-throw line. Yeah, not good enough for the NBA 75 list. It's so funny you say that. Because <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little while back about the NBA at 75 team, and I'm not sure we spoke about him as being a snub. Oh, I'm pretty sure we did. I don't remember us talking I, about I'm Dantley. pretty sure I brought him up. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. I apologise. No, no, well, look, it might not have made the cut. So Just to reiterate, though, 15 seasons in the league. He had four straight 30-point-per-game seasons with Utah, averaged at least 20 in 11 of his first 12 seasons, has the 20th best career scoring average of all time, ahead of 50 of the players on the NBA yeah. at 75 times. Yeah, the deeper you dive, the worse it is, isn't it? You, you can't even use a lack of team success against him because Damian Lillard's on the team and he hasn't won anything. Pete Maravich, Nate Thurman, Lenny Wilkins, Dave Bing, Russell Westbrook. Yep. There's so many of them. So a massive, massive snub. January 6, 2018, Tennessee Titans quarterback Marcus Mariota becomes just the second quarterback in NFL history to score a touchdown off his own pass in a 22-21 victory over the Kansas City Chiefs, joining former Super Bowl winning quarterback Brad Johnson, who also managed defeat when he played for the Minnesota Vikings in 1997. This was arguably the catalyst for the seventh biggest comeback in NFL playoff history, as the Titans trailed this one 21-3 in the third quarter of a wildcard matchup before mounting an 18-point comeback against the then-Alex Smith-led Chiefs, who started the game in blistering fashion, racing to a two-touchdown lead before the first quarter had even finished. In fact, Tennessee only had one decent drive of the entire first half, which resulted in a field goal after Mariota copped one of the more brutal sacks from Derek Johnson after his line failed to protect him. Drove him back like <laughs> five yards on the sack. It was crazy good. Even though the Chiefs managed a touchdown in the final seconds of the first half, the Tides arguably began to turn when tight end Travis Kelsey left late in the second quarter with a concussion. But ultimately, it was a bit of luck and maybe some poor umpiring on third and goal that led to Mariota catching his own pass to get it back to 11 after the Titans converted their point after. See, after scrambling around and out of the pocket for a while, managing to evade would-be tacklers, it was ruled that Mariota threw the pass just behind the line of scrimmage, I'm not so sure, which was then batted up by Darrell Rivas. Because Mariota was operating out of the shotgun, he could grab the ball out of the air, which he did before diving to the left pylon for the touchdown. Harrison Butker missed a field goal that hit the upright for Kansas City, and then early in the fourth, Henry rushed for 35 yards and a touchdown to make it a one-score game. With six minutes left, Eric Decker hauled in a 22-yard pass for the touchdown to give the Titans the lead, and their defense held out. Mariota was even blocking late as Henry picked up a massive first down to chew some clock, and the Titans ran it out. The fun did end there for Tennessee, though the Titans getting destroyed the following week by the Patriots, who themselves would then lose the Super Bowl to Philly in somewhat similarly heartbreaking fashion. This Week in Sport History Thanks for listening to this Sport Blokes segment. Why not listen to the full episode and check out their Twitter, at Sport Blokes. 